build here and the type of success we're looking to, to have and, and hopefully sustain. Not worry about the outside noise or what, what people are writing about, what people are saying. When we step on that field, we're ready to go to war for our brothers. It's unnecessary roughness. When you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. This is Unnecessary Roughness, broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Here's your boy Q. Got my man Ari live in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. In a matter of minutes, we'll talk to our good guy, Chad Doing, Rip City Radio. Rip City! I got to greet him like that because, well, that's what we do. Before we get to him, though, I got a couple texts on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Big Brother Bubs said, Q, I don't want to leave you hanging out there by yourself. While the world thinks you're losing your mind, I am very familiar with almond roca candy. My wife will run over, will run you over for those little gold nuggets of chocolate and almond. I got your back, my brother. There you go. That's what I'm talking about right there. That's what I'm talking about. Big brother Bubs has got my back, knows exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to almond roca candy. Those things are fan. Fantastic. Gangster Raider also hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line. Yeah, Q, I messes with the almond roca stuff too, especially during the holidays. But my food that I can eat all day is baked salmon with cherry sauce. Gangster Raider, there you go. How about that? How about that? Baked salmon with cherry sauce. That sounds pretty stinking good, man. I like that. What do you think, Ari? Baked salmon Fancy. with cherry sauce? Fancy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. What did you say that you could eat? Uh, a lot of uh, a not so fancy chicken fingers and uh, and what you I big say, twelve cookies. year old you That's big right. twelve year old and cookies gotta have nice. fries though if there's no fries <laughs> I'm need eating the chicken fingers you sound like <laughs> I am a twelve year old yes we are in Hawaii we're in Hawaii for vacation and every place we can go to eat little Q says. Is there chicken? Do they have chicken wings? Do they have chicken tenders? Smart I was man. like, boy, you are in Hawaii. You can eat anything you want that's fancy, and you're talking about some damn chicken fingers or chicken wings. Does he like seafood? Oh, uh, yeah, he does like seafood, oh. but he'd rather have chicken wings with ranch. He even told a couple different people, like, hey, you got ranch? No. He's like, what do you mean they ain't got ranch? So we took him to Joe's before we left town. We took him to Joe's, and he wanted chicken with ranch. Now, let me tell you something about Joe's. They it's got fantastic. The it's the amazing best. fried chicken. So Yes, they do. And he got that big old thing of fried chicken, but he also was like, well, you got any ranch to go with it? He's, <laughs> I, I talk bad about him, but he is so much like me where I find something that I like and I just stick with it. So he found something he likes, which is chicken fingers, chicken wings, whatever. Shout out to him from, yeah, me. from yeah. me anyway. No, I, no, I'm with no. you, little Q. I got yeah, you. no, no, no love. No love for you love at for all, Ari, but I do have his back and he's got mine. Obviously, he's a, a lot like his daddy. Anyways, joining us now on the phone lines from Rip City Radio is my guy Chad Doing at Chad in Rip City on Twitter. Chad, thanks so much for your time, my man. It's been a minute, and uh, unfortunately, it's not for being uh, you know in the conversation like like uh, Trailblazer fans would like with Dame Lillard asking for a trade as of Saturday, and he's been very loyal to Portland, but now. He wants out for one reason or the other. We'll get into that in some kind of conversation. But I saw your tweet that basically was talking about fans being upset and almost turning on Dame Dollar. So what has been the overall feeling of the fan base since the, the trade request went down? Uh, mostly frustration because uh, this is a franchise that for the most part has been cursed over the uh, many years in its existence. You know, Bill Walton went down with injury in 78 when they were going to repeat. Uh, they took Sam Bowie in the draft over Michael Jordan. They missed out on Larry Bird. Uh, Greg Oden went down with injury when the team had promised. Brandon Roy, the same. 
and now Damian Lillard, uh, arguably the greatest player in franchise history, wants out. So this is just par for the course for all Blazer fans of Rip City. You know, I saw a tweet from your you saying that, you know, fans were upset and even upset at Dame because, you know, he wants out now. But he's been loyal for his whole career. I mean, is, is that – that to me seems like it's pretty unfair. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think what it is is that you have, obviously, the uh, vocal minority on social media who are – you know, taking shots, I think mostly because of, uh, you know, the different stages of grief. Um, you know, I think what happens is is that Dame has been very adamant throughout his career about doing things his way, being loyal to what he believes is right, not chasing rings and uh, wanting to, uh, you know, you know, walk the path of his career in the way that he wants and not the way others say he should do it. And so when he uh, suddenly asks out, and we know that Miami's his number one choice and get a chance to play with Jimmy and Bam, I think people see that. Uh, as running away from the grind, which is something he has vowed not to do. And so I think there's frustration there. I think it's mostly the vocal minority. I think uh, he's a, a beloved son in uh, in town and always will be. But it, it is weird to see, you know, people get frustrated and start to take shots at Dame. And I think part of it, too, is that, uh, you know, people, if he's going to go, they're really leery about the Blazers getting duped by Pat Riley or one of the other uh, – uh, geniuses around the league and taking a bad deal in return because if you're going to move Dane, you want to get as much in return. But it's difficult because, you know, players and agents hold the majority of power in the league and have for quite some time. What do you think would be reasonable? Because I don't know if there's a, a trade that's going to be apples for apples when it comes to Dane because he's that stinking good. But what do you think Portland should be getting in return for him? Uh, multiple first round picks. I would say, depending on what young players you're, you're going to get in return. I would say three to five uh, picks, um, maybe involving a pick swap, and then they need to get some young players in return, namely uh, forwards and uh, potential fives because this team has been undersized for quite some time. So they need size. So I would look for young players um, to be involved in the mix. Uh, For example, let's say – let's just pick Utah, for example. Let's say that they were to do something with Utah. You would want to get multiple picks, and maybe one of the guys you could get would be like the young big they have, Kessler, who's really good. But I think you need multiple picks. Uh, I would say a variety of different picks so that gives them flexibility moving in the future would be great and get some young players to grow with the young core now that features Shaden Sharp and Scoot Henderson. I think if they can do that, um, uh, in addition to getting that money, that, that massive contract of Dames off the books, then it's going to set them up uh, with their young GM and their scouting staff to really go out and kind of retool the, the franchise moving forward in a different image. Again, we're talking with Chad Dewing from Rip City Radio 620 here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. And it's been suggested that the only way Dame was going to end up out of Portland was basically the team would kind of go to him and suggest that maybe he asked for a, re- a request for a trade so they could start the rebuild process. Is that anything close to the truth? Yeah, I think that's how everyone thought it would go down. I think the biggest issue here is that, you know, PR-wise, the uh, Trailblazers for years are not exactly uh, the sharpest team in the league. <laughs> and I think um, they know the popularity of Dame. And so I think what we're seeing now is this devolve into a situation where you've got, you know, the Trailblazers trying to win the war of public opinion because they're concerned about the business side because they know if Dame leaves that, you know, selling tickets initially is going to be pretty tough. And, because of the messaging, and I think this is the real tricky part, Q, where the Blazers have gotten themselves into some trouble, is that ever since Joe Cronin took over for Neil Olshay when he was forced out, the message has been one and the same, about building around Dame, about acquiring assets to go out and make an all-in type move to put themselves in a position to compete. But the problem is everything they've done over the last several months is the exact opposite of building around Dame. Last year they drafted Shaden Sharp. 
Uh, at the deadline, they moved Josh Hart for picks. They didn't do anything to get better. And then they go into the draft and they take three rookies um, and made no efforts, um, you know, that, uh, that ended up in a trade to bring in the vets. So the actions have been different than the message. And I think that's where fans, especially in Portland, uh, where the, com- the uh, connection between team and community is so strong that they feel like they've been lied to. And I think that's why a lot of fans are ticked off right now. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Why has it been such a disconnect? Why has it been this is the message, but these are the actions? What, what's, what's the reasoning for that? Well, there's a couple of theories there. One, um, you know, look at Cronin, um, young GM, known for uh, a good eye for talent. He's got, you know, really good basketball scouts. They brought in uh, Mr. Schmitz from ESPN last year, who's a great uh, draft scout. You, you could make the argument based on actions that, that this is the thing that they wanted all along, that they wanted to go young, that they were looking for a way to get off a of dame so they could kind of shape the team and their image and the vision that they have for the roster. Or... Maybe it's a situation where they planned all along when they were, you know, sitting there at number five of, hey, we're going to make the trade and we're going to try and build around Dane. But when they jumped up in the lottery to number three and knew that they had a shot at either Brandon Miller or Scoot, that it changed their course, their actions, because they knew that they couldn't pass up on one of those two players, especially for a guy like Scoot. They probably looked at the value of what was being offered up in trades and, and where they were selecting and realized that it would have been a bad move, a bad decision to pass on Scoot. So maybe jumping into number three, uh, you know, changed their direction. But um, I, I would imagine that even though they'll never say it publicly, this is probably the pathway that they most preferred uh, because of Dame's age and the size of his contract. And you know how it is with a guard like Dame. As great as he is, mm-hmm. when your best player on your team is an undersized guard who um, is a terrific scorer, not a great defender, it requires multiple pieces like we see at Golden State. They have a lot of guys in place to support Steph and, and, and make up for his uh, um, you know, uh, inadequacies defensively. The Blazers don't have that. So it's harder to construct a team when your best player is an undersized guard. So... Uh, you know, there are challenges involved, but my guess is, is that this is probably the pathway they, they most prefer, you know, with everything considered. Talking all things Dame Lillard right now with Chad Dewing from Rip City Radio 620 here on Radio Nation Radio 920. And you uh, put you said it earlier that Dame might arguably be the, the greatest player in, in Trailblazer history. What does he mean? What has he meant to the community? What has he meant to the fan base and the organization in a whole? Well, I think what, I think what makes Dame so great is that um, – you know, one, as a, a, a member of the media, he's terrific to deal with because he never runs from questions. Uh, he, he'll always uh, talk and answer every question. So he's great to cover because um, he doesn't run away from anything. Um, in terms of uh, Portland, it's a, it's a unique city. It's a smaller market. Um, and ever since the team won the championship in 77, there's, just, there's been this really strong connection between team and community. And in Portland, it's all about uh, um, buying local um, supporting uh, local farmers, uh, you know, it, you keep Portland weird. It's kind of got its own culture, different from Seattle or any other place. And so when a player comes in, works hard, says the right things, does the right things, is a part of the community, uh, helps to give back to the community and does all the little things and, and embraces the local area. He's got a lot of his family members up in the Portland area. He's got businesses. He's really made it his home. And so the way he embraced it, just like he did Oakland and Ogden, where he went to school at Weber State, I think fans appreciate that, and so that helps strengthen the connection. And then on top of that, the guy's just a, a stone-cold killer on the basketball floor who has uh, done so many great things and given Blazer fans so many great memories that when you put all those things together, that creates that strong connection that uh, 
you know, it's hard to be broken. He's one of those guys that I'll always think of as a Portland Trailblazer, no matter where he plays, Miami, Philly. No matter what. You know what? He's always going to be a Portland Trailblazer. And this has nothing to do with Dame, but do you? how many conversations do you have about Brandon Roy and what could have been if he had stayed healthy? It's a ton. You know, you know what's great about B-Roy is that, um, you know, he'll have his jersey retired and his career was cut way short because of injury, but he's considered, uh, you know, a top five Blazer of all time, and he just had a few years of – peak play before the injury set in, but B-Roy, um, you know, people remember what Kobe said, you know, Kobe Bryant said that B-Roy was one of the toughest guys for him to defend because he had the outside game, he could put the ball on the floor and attack the rim with either hand, uh, he could post up, and he, he just had the total package, and B-Roy was a Northwest guy who, just like Dame, really embraced the area, and fans loved him, and and that's what's great, man. If you come if you come to Portland, like you, if you, if you signed a deal with the Blazers tomorrow, and you came to town and you embraced the area and you worked your tail off, the fans would love you forever. That's the way the town is, and that's the way it's always going to be. And uh, B-Roy, like Dame, like Clyde, like Bill Walton, or Maurice Lucas, they'll be beloved forever because of the efforts they made and the way they embraced the local area. I'll tell you, I always think about B-Roy and, and what could have been, man. He was so phenomenal to watch. I don't have to tell you, but, man, it was fun to watch him play uh, and awesome. just hated that his uh, his career got cut short due to injuries. Now, uh, you mentioned coming to town and, and, and working really hard and embracing the community. That's Scoot Henderson's job, and he was here in Vegas uh, with the G League Ignite. We were able to see him play up close and personal what does he bring to this Trailblazers team, and, and how tough is it going to be for him to be the guy that basically replaces the guy? Well, you know, uh, I think he's smart enough to realize that there's no replacing Dame, but what I love about Scoot is, like any of these great athletes that you've had a chance to talk to, Scoot, there's a, they carry themselves in a different way. Like Scoot, he knows he's great, he's got the potential to be a superstar, and he carries himself with incredible confidence. Uh, from the people I've spoken with, um, he's not a a great combo guard like a Damian Lillard uh, because he doesn't shoot the three ball so well, but what he does do well is put the ball on the floor, attack the rim in a very John Morant uh, type fashion. He's been compared to Derrick Rose. He's a playmaker and he's going to have the ball in his hands. You're going to see a lot of drive and kick. He'll attack the rim. He'll probably be able to get to the free throw line. And uh, I think with the way Chauncey Bills wants to play with, uh, you know, a lot of ball movement and player movement, I think he's going to fit that very well. And I'm anxious to see how quickly He's able to adapt to the NBA game, um, especially on the defensive side, but playmaker, setting his teammates up, and really uh, creating that ball movement and player movement, which uh, we see with Denver and some of the other successful teams where you force the defense to defend all five spots. He's a fun player. He's, he's definitely fun to watch. I was able to check him out a couple times as he was playing with the Ignite. Final question for you, and you mentioned Chauncey Billups. How big of a year for Chauncey is this upcoming year, especially after a trade and, and with, depending on whatever uh, the Blazers are able to get back as far as uh, trade capital for uh, Dame Dollar? I think it's a huge year for Chauncey. Um, uh, you know, it, it, he's kind of in a tough spot because the team, his first two years, uh, decided to tank at the end of the season to improve draft position. But the reality is he's an NBA coach that's lost over 100 games in his first two years. Uh, if you talk to people around the league, the uh, concern there is that um, he appears to be largely disorganized. That could be from the fact that he has uh, just inexperience and he's adapting to the job. But I think how those young players, guys like Chris Murray and Scoot Henderson, combined with uh, the other maneuvers they make, how well they adapt, uh, the, the way they're able to play and execute the way Chauncey wants. Um, I don't think it's going to be about wins and losses as much as it is uh, player development and improvement from day one up throughout the course of the season to determine his future. Now, keep in mind, he's got a great relationship with Joe Cronin, but 
Um, he was hired by Neil Olshay before Cronin and his uh, new staff took over. So I think anytime you're a coach, you know, that's uh, working for a front office that's different than the one that brought you in, I think there's extra pressure. And I think this will be a key year for Chauncey going into year three of his deal. Uh, they could get out of his contract without having to pay too much. So I think Chauncey's got a lot to prove this year in terms of being able to uh, get these guys to play the way that he wants and respond. And how well they respond, I think, will determine his future. But in terms of being a dude, Chauncey's uh, well-respected by you know players around the league. He was a tough-nosed guy. Um, he's cool to deal with, but uh, he's, he's got to step it up a notch this year to uh, continue. And by the way, with Scoot, I saw those pictures floating around on social media queue, man. I saw him without his shirt on. The guy looks like a bodybuilder, and he's 19 <laughs> years old. He's a freak. Right, right. Just to have some jeans like that, right? I mean, that's oh, – man, he, he's got it going on. But he's he's a confident young man. He's a hell of a player. So, I think you got a good one there in, in Portland. Obviously, there's a lot of work to do, but Scoot's going to be a good one. We'll see what happens with Chauncey, and we'll see what happens with uh, with Dame, you know, where he ends up going. Obviously, Miami is destination uh, number one, but we'll see what they give up. Do you think that as far as the Portland uh, franchise, they're going to do – what's best for them. They're not going to really focus in on Miami. They're going to try to get the most capital in return. Yeah, from, from my understanding, and you know how these deals work, I think what's going to happen is is that his agent, Dane's agent, Aaron Goodwin, uh, he knows that you can't just have one team. There's got to be a few teams. So uh, my guess is he'll work uh, with Miami and the other teams where Dame has interest to play, and then they'll go out and try to broker a deal that's uh, fair and, and one that Joe Cronin would jump on board with. Um, I expect Miami to be in play. The dark horse team to keep an eye on is Utah because they got a stash of draft picks. Uh, Dame uh, obviously uh, uh, went to Weber State. Uh, he's got a strong connection with the community. So I think uh, Utah's a good dark horse. But I think uh, with the help of the agent, I think they'll be able to get a good deal put together. And then, uh, um, and then we'll see where Dame ends up. But I don't expect it to happen quickly. I think the Blazers got to be patient and take their time because they cannot uh, get hosed on this deal. They got to make sure they get you know, fair return for Dane, so they have, you know, some pieces to continue to build with in the future. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. He's Chad doing Rip City Radio 620 on Twitter, at Chad in Rip City. Chad, thanks so much, hey, man. Q. Yeah, yes, hey, yes. Q. Yes, sir. One more thing. Did you say this is Raider Nation Radio? This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Yes, sir. Okay, can I pass a message along to uh, Raider Nation? Please, if I may? please do. All right, just so you know, I used to live in Denver, um, grew up with John Elway, I know the Broncos and Raiders uh, open the season up in Mile High. I just want to let Raider fans know that uh, payback is going to be a real B because the Broncos are going to be kicking some ass with Sean Payton <laughs> on your loser coach and the rest of your team. So enjoy that, Raider Nation. Boom! There it is, Chad. Doing bringing the bringing the bringing the heat to close things out. All right. Well, Raider Nation is going to fire up on me after that one. But Chad, it's always great catching up with you, my man. I appreciate you. Anytime, Q. Uh, happy Fourth, buddy. Yeah, you too, my man. I appreciate it. There he goes right there, Chad doing Rip City Radio. I didn't expect that ending right there. I know my guy always has something. I told you, Ari, he always comes with something. It's either Shabby the Blazers or Rip City or something. He'll say something outlandish, and I didn't expect it to go that angle, but that just shows you right there. The reason I laugh at that, that just shows you. I always say people never hate anyone who stinks, right? People don't hate people that suck. It's just, it's just realistically. Like, I mean, there's always a reason why there's always anger and hate and, and, and there's rivalries like that. You know, Raiders in Denver. The Raiders have owned the Broncos. They've absolutely owned the Broncos. So who is top of mind right now on July 3rd for Chad doing as a Bronco fan? The Raiders. I love it. I absolutely love that. Rent-free. Living rent-free. There's no doubt. So there you go. His priority. Look, we're talking about Dame Lillard. 
Dame Lillard, as great as he is, he just talked about the greatest Portland Trailblazer in history, you know, this, that, and the other, and only thing he got focused on is them damn Broncos better get on top of the Raiders at the beginning of the season. That's hilarious. I love it. I love it, and Chad's a good dude. Chad's a real good dude, so I definitely appreciate him. That's his thing. That He always is dropping some kind of little nugget like that, but okay. There you go. That's my guy. Now I got to find a way to get on his show and, and get some get back. I'll do it. I'll find a way. <laughs> That's that's how I roll. But speaking of how I roll, call number nine is what I'm looking for right now at 702-365-9200. We're going to get you hooked up, man. It's a lotus summer of fun going on right now. We're absolutely giving you the chance. Take the trip. Take the cash. This week, New York City. Four nights in New York City, a Broadway show, $1,000 spending money, or you can take the cash up to $3,000. But there's a couple things you got to do before you can get to there. And this is the first step. We're going to get you in to win. We're going to get you qualified to win four tickets to an Aviators game. That's going to get you one step closer to being, well, in to win the ultimate prize, which is the four nights in NYC, the Broadway show, the $1,000 spending money. Again, the Lotus Summer of Fun going on. Uh, we hooked up a Maui vacation last week. We're going to keep this party rolling each and every week. So call number nine. You're going to get that first step and the steps that you need to take to get there. 702-365-9200. 702-365-9200. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. The late hand up to Jacob. Huge hole at the middle. Ten. Cuts right side. Five. Touchdown, Jacobs. The hat trick in the end zone. His third rushing touchdown of the day. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. In a few minutes, we'll jump into cover three NFL news and notes of the day. I like to scatter shoot around the league get you up to date with everything going on, but this is better than cover three worthy. Want to shout out to former Raider tight end Foster Morrow. He tweeted out after a few tumultuous months, I've been blessed with the news that I am in full remission from Hodgkin lymphoma. I'm so grateful for everyone to reach out to offer their love and support. Our prayers were answered. Uh, from here, I will continue to live my life as God intended. That's from Foster Morrow. Great news, right? Absolutely great news right there. Uh, I know he plays for the New Orleans Saints, but he's one of those guys that I believe most of Raider Nation, if not all of Raider Nation, will always cheer for, always was a good dude. I know from just the interactions that I've had with him personally in the locker room or uh, at different events or just you know around town, whatever the case may be, he's always been just a real deal, down-to-earth, humble dude, and you know, when everyone found out the news about the Hodgkin's lymphoma, we're really, like, devastated that that happened to Foster. And then to find out, you know, not only is he going to be able to resume his uh, football career, but the Saints gave him a contract. And now he's in full remission right now. So great news, great news, and more great news for Foster Morrow. And I hope that he continues to receive nothing but great news with his, uh, you know, with his new challenge that he faces, but one he's not afraid to face. So uh, big ups to him. Also, Gangster Raider, hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r and you can hit us up at any point. Going back to what uh, Chad Dewing had to say from Rip City Radio as he closed out our interview talking about Dame Lillard, and he took a shot at the Raiders as a Denver Broncos fan. Gangster Raider said, Q, the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders, have never lost to the Denver Donkeys, and they don't really want what they're asking us for. I might go to that game now. That's from Gangster Raider right there, and that's the funny thing about it, man. I mean, the, 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 the Broncos, their fans, their coaches, 
They want the Raiders so badly. And I know that the past few years haven't been great for the silver and black, but if there's one claim to fame that you can say right now is that the Raiders own the Broncos, absolutely own the Broncos, and they know it. Everybody in Denver knows it. So there's that. And, of course, it makes it even worse for Denver fans now because Josh McDaniels is the head coach, and, of course, they can't stand Josh McDaniels from his time there in Denver. So now not only did they think that last year they were going to beat up on the, on the Raiders, they didn't. They thought they were going to beat up on the Raiders and their ex-coach in Josh McDaniels, and that didn't happen either. So that drives them even crazier to the point where they went out and spent all the dinero, all the moolah, all the dollar-dollar bill, y'all, all that they can do, they went out and spent to get Sean Payton and traded for Sean Payton. Remember that. He was under contract with the New Orleans Saints. They traded for Sean Payton. And actually, I got a note, and I was going to say it for cover three, but since we're talking about it, I might as well go to it. I wonder, and I don't think it's going to happen, but this is an interesting nugget when it comes to Sean Payton being traded uh, by the, the New Orleans Saints to the Denver Broncos. And the question, can history repeat itself? And why I say that, the Broncos traded a 2023 first-round pick and a 2024 second-round pick to the Saints for Peyton and the 2024 third-rounder. Peyton is the fifth head coach to be included in a trade for a first-round pick since 1970. That's according to NFL Research. Three of the previous four coaches, per NFL Research, led their new teams to a Super Bowl win within three seasons. Don Shula traded from the Colts to the Dolphins. Bill Belichick from the Jets to the Patriots. And Raider Nation, I ain't got to tell you, John Gruden from the Raiders to the Buccaneers. The fourth was Bill Parcells, who was traded from the Patriots to the Jets, and then he led New York to a winning record in his first season, just as Shula and Gruden did for their respective squads. Gruden and Shula took it a step further, getting their clubs to the postseason in their debut season. So can history repeat itself is going to be the question. But, again, going back to what Gangster Raiders said and what we've been saying about what Chad Doing had to say about Denver and uh, trying to beat up on the Raiders. The Raiders live absolutely 100% rent-free in the minds of the Denver Broncos. Let's go out to our guy who actually got in to win the four-pack of tickets to the Aviators game, which will get him one step closer to that New York City trip. Let's uh, go out to talk to our guy, Juan the Smasher. What's on your mind, Juan? What's up, Q? What's going on? Oh, man, I'm chilling. I'm blessed. How are you doing? I know that's right. I'm right here trying to get it. Thank you for everything you do. I'm, I'm going to take those tickets. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I got you. Yeah, and also, speaking about them donkeys, they're going to get two more L's in that schedule. So I don't know why they're tripping about, about us because they're going to just keep losing to them Raiders. And to ask you your question, Q, I think I got more faith on that defense than Jimmy G. I don't know about that Jimmy G being healthy. He needs to eat some Mexican rice and some burritos and something like that. I would get, you know, some protein in them. Because this is always going to uh, break a leg or something. But I'm hoping for the best for him. But if you ask me, I got my money on the defense. And let's go already. Let's get it. There he goes, Juan the Smasher. Appreciate the call, my man. Good stuff. And there you go. Just get him some beans and rice and add that to his diet and make it make him a little bit healthier. Then he won't get injured. I like that. And what Juan's referring to, if you're just tuning in here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Ralph, this is the question that I threw out there at the beginning. What is it that you have more confidence in and why? The Raiders' young defense coming together and complimenting the offense or Jimmy G being available for 17 games? That was one of the questions that I asked. I also asked the question about what Mike Pritchard had to say on the morning tailgate this morning on Raider Nation Radio 920, and he's a, a guest on the tailgate every Monday at 8 o'clock. Great 
insight. It's always good. It's like appointment listening. It's like when I have John McClain on every Tuesday at 3 o'clock, it's appointment listening for a lot of people. Well, Mike Pritchard is appointment listening for me on the morning tailgate every single Monday at 8 a.m. So I threw out the question, do you agree with Pritch that the Raiders could start hot because of continuity? And the reason I asked this question, and just in case you're tuning in and you want to hear what Pritch had to say, we'll go ahead and we'll tee it up real quick. Want you to hear what Pritch had to say about the situation going on in Buffalo with Stephon Diggs and all his dust up with Josh Allen, and then of course the situation in Denver with Sean Payton trying to take over for the Broncos and try to bring them back to relevance. As we've really documented really well, the Raiders have owned the Denver Broncos. They start out on the road in Denver. Week two they go to Buffalo. First two games on the road, they return home to play the Pittsburgh Steelers in prime time, and then they go back on the road to take on the L.A. Chargers, which in my opinion is really more of a home game, just on the road, but it's a home game. So here's what Pritch had to say about the situation in Buffalo and why the Raiders may have an advantage early on in the season because of continuity. I think what's going on in Buffalo is indicative of more of the same. You know, you okay. know Stephon Diggs wanting to be more involved in, in the offense or play calling or certainly uh, getting more opportunities in the playoffs and, and being mad at Josh Allen or being mad at Dorsey, the play caller. I mean, that's not going to help Buffalo get off to a fast start. But also, I think Buffalo uh, is more of the same, right? Uh, they added Dalton Kincaid, uh, a pass-catching tight end. So, obviously, they still want to throw the rock uh, and they still lack a physical presence. I, I think uh, a, a full-strength Las Vegas Raiders football team with back-to-back road games uh, and the right mental mindset uh, can can get off to a fast start. I, I think continuity is on the side of the Raiders offensively. Uh, that's provided Josh Jacobs is involved in that. Hello. Uh, and happy, right? <laughs> uh, and then um, I, I think defensively the Raiders could be improved. And, and so the Raiders, to me, seems like a team that's upgraded talent um, can evolve as, as a team as well. Whereas you, you think about the Broncos, you know, Sean Payton's going to have to change the entire culture. He's going to have to change everything, even though the Broncos wanted the Raiders uh, for that home opener. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with Buffalo, home opener, right? But more of the same. Uh, and so there's a couple of teams to start the season, whereas the Raiders, if they can answer their questions during the off season. Uh, I, I think the Broncos and the Bills will have questions entering the regular season. So there's Mike Pritchard this morning as a guest on the morning tailgate again, 8 a.m. on Mondays. You can check him out with Lindsay, with Vinny, and with Clay Baker. Again, the morning tailgate on Radio Nation Radio 920. But the continuity, something that the Raiders have in their favor. Now, of course, there's new parts on the Raiders on the offensive side of things when it comes to Jimmy G, when it comes to Jacoby Myers. Obviously, uh, Michael Mayer, the tight end, is a rookie out of Notre Dame. But – Devontae Adams, second year in the system. Josh McDaniel, second year in the system, uh, in his system, as the coach of the Silver and Black. Josh Jacobs, given that he's there, and I'm assuming he's there, and of course there's two weeks until the the deadline for the for the long-term deal done. Uh, if not, he'd have to play on the one-year $10 million franchise tag if he chooses to play. He could choose to sit out. So Josh Jacobs obviously is a big key to the cog as well, but now you have you know Hunter Renfro, year two in the system. There's a lot to like about especially the offensive side of things. We've talked about it in great length and great detail here on the show and in the station in general. We talked about there's a lot to like on the offense. They've just got to go ahead and put it all together. The key to that will be a healthy Jimmy G, and also the key to that will be Josh Jacobs, number eight, not number 28, but number eight in the backfield for the silver and black. So do you believe, like Mike Pritchard believes, that there could be an opportunity for the Raiders to get off to a good start to start the 2023 season due to the continuity that they're going to have 
going into year two under head coach Josh McDaniel. So, of course, we'd love to hear from you. 69187, keyword R&R, 702-365-9200. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back, get into cover three NFL news and notes of the day. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. It's time for Q's Cover 3, NFL news and notes of the day, here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And we'll start off Cover 3, NFL news and notes of the day, with a little bit of Netflix and the NFL getting closer and closer together. They are really starting to come together, and Netflix is really dipping into the NFL stream, as every other outlet is as well. We already saw what Amazon Prime is doing. We're seeing what other networks are out there doing, spending big money trying to get their piece of the pie when it comes to the NFL. Well, Netflix is no different. Matter of fact, next week, the first NFL property debuts on Netflix, which will be the quarterback series focusing on Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and Marcus Mariota. And I don't really know how all three of those come together. That ought to be interesting. Mahomes, like, some things are not like the other in this thing. Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and Marcus Mariota, like none, none of those three go together. So I don't know what angle they have, but it's again, it's a quarterback series. So uh, maybe it's just an individual show on each one of them. Uh, but still, I would think that they would still kind of be on the same level. Like a lot of times they'll have rookies, and, you know, there was different, uh, like ESPN did the series with the Mannings, and it was all the rookie quarterbacks. Like that all made sense. But this one, Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and Marcus Mariota, not really – all in the same to me. But that's coming out next week. But eventually, the big story here is Netflix will air the NFL Films docuseries focused on Cowboys owner Jerry Jones. Now, this has been reported that Netflix is going to pay just under $50 million for the property. And the deal's not done yet, but they best basically won the bidding war with ESPN, Amazon, and a couple others who showed a lot of interest. NFL Films will produce the 10-episode show with Skydance Sports, focusing on, and this is their words, not mine, the glory hole days of the 1990s. And it's so funny when I say that, the glory hole days, because that's something that Jerry, when training camp opens up, he'll hold a big press conference, a State of the Cowboys press conference in Oxnard, California, and he always talks about something, 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 the glory hole. That's my glory hole. Like, I, I could do my – I can get into my Jerry Jones uh, impersonation if I have to. Ari, <laughs> say Ari, what we're trying to do here with the Dallas Cowboys and Coach Mike McCarthy – we're trying to get back to our glory hole days of the 1990s. Like, I don't even know what that Dude. means. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Like, every time I've heard him say that, I cringe. You know, like, what do you mean, Jerry? But it's Jerry being Jerry, but that's their words. Again, that's their, that is their description of what this show is going to be about. It focuses on the glory hole days. Of the 90s. You got only yes men around him. Now one person would step up and be like, hey, you know, you could reword that. <laughs> Where were we just talking about something similar on the break? Yes. About how you word things? Yes. So, yes. We know creepy guys it, 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 locally that I say weird this. things that they don't think is anything wrong with it. Something's <laughs> wrong with focusing on the glory hole days of the 90s. That like is. there's something wrong with that. That makes you cringe when I say it right now. <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah, it's not. It. There's nothing there. By the way, even being creative or, oh, I see what they were trying to do. Nah, that's it's, just. But a, it's funny because he, he said it. he will say that himself all the time. Every time he does the State of the Cowboys opening presser for the training for training camp, he always somehow references that. And I never understand. I always laugh because obviously when I was in Central Texas, the Cowboys, is, you know, they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. <laughs> so if Jerry's talking, we have to listen. So we'd go break to it like it's, you know, the end all be all. 
I'm glad that Mark Davis doesn't hold those kind of kind of long <laughs> sessions and, you know, where it's all about me. And, uh, man, Jerry, he – look, I respect the hell out of Jerry Jones. He's a great businessman. Don't get me wrong. He's done some really good things, obviously, for the Cowboys and the league in general. But, man, this dude will hold a press conference outside of the Cowboys locker room after every single game. Like when we go down as media members to the Raiders locker room and we're waiting outside uh, for Will Kiss and, and company to come by and say, okay, the locker room's open, you can go in. Jerry will be outside of the locker room and he'll have 25 media members around him holding court talking about what happened in the game, breaking it on down. And I'll tell you, whatever Jerry says is way more important than anyone inside that locker room or any head coach because what Jerry says goes, obviously. But it's so crazy to see him as the owner of the team having a damn presser every single game right in front of the locker room. Then it's like, all right, guys, locker room's open, and then everyone's still like locked in on what Jerry's saying. So half the, the time that you have in the locker room is gone because Jerry's outside holding court. So Zeke didn't really run the ball that well. And Dak, Dak Prescott, he just was off point a little. He threw a couple interceptions and – well, we got into a hole, and not a glory hole. We got into a hole early, and we couldn't find our way out. But we'll be all right. There's no pain. Listen to me. Hey, Q. Hey. Hey, go back to that radio station. You tell them there's no worry. There's no worry on the part of Jerry Jones. The Dallas Cowboys, we're going to be all right. I'm a businessman. I've been around for a long time. This ain't my first L. We'll be all right, Q. I don't know. I don't know how I get in stuck in that mode, but. There you go. Jerry holds court, man. That's what he nothing. does. So apparently there's going to be ten episodes of that. I Hell, I could do that. I'll do five episodes for half the price. <laughs> right? <laughs> and you won't even say glory hole. I, I mean, if you want me to, I will, <laughs> depending on the price. right? If you want to pay me a little extra, I'll say it. But, yeah, there's going to be a ten-episode docuseries on Jerry Jones that's going to be $50 million worth as far as Netflix playing, paying that. For the rights to it. It's Dave Chappelle money. That is a lot mm. of money. And I'm interested. I don't know. I really don't. I don't know what Jerry, what they could feature Jerry for 10 episodes. That's going to keep me intrigued. I mean, think about this. 10 episodes is the last dance. And that was a whole season of greatness, right? I mean, that was just, that was, there was a lots of ins and outs on that. I don't know how they extend that thing out to a 10 Ser a 10-show series on Jerry Jones. I just don't. I'm sure they'll do it. I mean, they, they didn't say they're going to do it for no reason. They'll get it done. But I'm interested to see what 10 episodes of Jerry Jones is. Uh, I will not be the first to go check it out. I promise you that. I'll see it. What I'll do is I'll watch it one day, like a, a day like today, right, when there's just a couple, a handful of baseball games, like Cornhole's coming on next. I'm watching uh, California, a California, like, basketball the Heat against the Lakers, you know, some summer league type action going on in Sacramento. I'm watching that right now. And then coming up next on ESPN2 is Cornhole. So on a day like, like Cornhole is on, instead of watching that, I'll watch Glory Hole. Right? Instead of Cornhole, I'll watch Jerry Jones. You read my mind. Yeah, I know. I, look, <laughs> I was those, the, see, not the, to be confused with Glory Hole. Right. The jokes write themselves, so yep. I can't help myself. But that's what, you know, that's what we'll do. We'll watch it. I won't. It will not be something that I lock in. It's like, oh, man, Jerry's on. I better go watch it. Like, I didn't even watch Winning Time like that with the Lakers. Uh, I watched it as I all of a sudden felt need. Like, I, it was not priority watching for me. So, we'll see uh, when I check it out or when it even drops. But, yeah, Jerry's getting his, uh, his, own, ep his own show. 
10, 10 episodes, and then Netflix next week is going to release Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and Marcus Mariota. So we'll see how that shakes out. Now, speaking of the Dallas Cowboys, their ex-offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, he is now a member of the L.A. Chargers. He's the offensive coordinator there. I believe a couple different things here. I believe that if the Chargers don't find a way to succeed in 2023, that Brandon Staley will get fired and Kellen Moore could be the head coach in waiting. That's, that's my gut feeling. Kellen Moore has been the head coach in waiting in Dallas for a while, right? And I was actually surprised that they moved on from him, but Mike McCarthy is on the hot seat there in Big D. So he figured, you know what, I'm going to call my own plays, and if I go out, I'm going to go out on my own terms. It's going to be my fault, not because the young kid down the block is, uh, is, is calling the plays that I don't like. So he decided to make that decision. Kellen Moore went to the Chargers. He's now the offensive coordinator, and he is basically really excited. He's saying how excited he is about the – the weapons that, that Justin Herbert has around him and the height of the wide receivers. All the, the top three wide receivers for the Chargers are six foot two or taller after the team went out and drafted uh, Quentin Johnston uh, out of TCU, number 21 overall. So Mike Williams, Johnston and Mike Williams are both the tallest wide receivers on the team at six foot four. Keenan Allen is six two. Josh Palmer and Jalen Guyton. Uh, they're like the fourth and fifth options. They're sitting there at six one, and then they have Donald Parham, the tight end, at six eight, and the backup tight end Gerald Everett at six three. So he's excited about the height of the the receiving core and the weapons around around uh, Justin Herbert. He says it doesn't guarantee success, of course, but having a group of pass catchers with their heads above the clouds is something that we plan on taking full advantage of. Having versatility on on offense, which I think we're really, really excited about, being able to use guys in different positions, align them in different ways, and utilize all that. We like to say we've got so much height on this team, we're going to be throwing in a different jet stream. These guys, it's going to be a lot of fun. So there you go. Kellen Moore, as a a dude who covered Kellen Moore a lot while he was the Cowboys offense coordinator, the one thing that the Chargers are going to do a lot of in 2023, I promise you this, is throw the ball around the yard. They're going to throw the rock, they're going to throw the rock, and they're going to throw the rock. A little bit more. But uh, Kellen Moore is going to be in uh, in L.A. as the offensive coordinator. And if he can't figure out how to take that next step and get the Chargers to be where they need to be, last we saw the Chargers, they were up 27 points in the playoffs against the Jaguars and lost. I thought that the Chargers made a terrible decision in not going after Sean Payton. Instead, they just uh, allowed Brandon Staley to keep his job. I thought that Sean Payton would have been the obvious choice to be the next head coach there. Should have fired Staley on the plane ride back if they even let him get on the plane. You can't be up 27-0 in the playoffs and lose to the Jaguars. You can't do it. But they did it. So I believe fully that Kellen Moore is going to be the the head coach in waiting if the defense can't get right. Remember, Brandon Staley, that's his baby, right, the defensive side of things. That's why they brought in Khalil Mack. That's why they brought in uh, who was uh, my guy that I thought was going to be a difference maker. Now, hell, I forget his name, the defensive back from uh, from the Patriots. I forget his name anyway, but he, he was banged up and injured. Uh, that's how much he's memorable now because I don't even remember his name. But he was the guy that it cost a whole lot of money, and I thought that the Raiders were going to make a play for him. J.C. Jackson, that's who it was, J.C. Jackson. And luckily the Raiders did not do that because he was injured most of the season and did absolutely nothing for the Chargers. But they brought in a bunch of guys on the defensive line. Uh, they brought in J.C. Jackson, as I mentioned. Uh, that defense was going to be so great and it still wasn't worth the salt. It still stunk. And really, if the Raiders don't throw or Derek Carr throws three interceptions week one, the Raiders win that game against the Chargers. If, they, if he didn't throw those three you know, ter- uh, interceptions, untimely interceptions, the Raiders are in much better position to win that game. They came up short because of all those turnovers. So we'll see what happens in, uh, in L.A. with the Chargers, but this is a huge year for Brandon Staley, and watch out for Kellen Moore 
to be that guy. So uh, I think that's all I got time for. I already gave you a couple other news and notes when it came to Foster Morrow and also Sean Payton in Denver and if history can repeat itself. Before we get out of here and close up shop, and of course we're off tomorrow, uh, everyone's going to be celebrating the 4th of July with their friends and family. Please, everyone remember what the day is all about. Like, it's easy to get caught up in having a day off of work and barbecuing and swimming and watching fireworks and this, that, and other. Remember, though, remember the sacrifices of all those that gave their lives and continue to sacrifice their lives for uh, the freedoms of our country, and that's what we'll be celebrating tomorrow for the 4th of July. Before we get to that, since we are off, I did want to reference the – the uh, hot dog eating contest because, well, again, it's not the 4th of July, in my opinion, until the hot dog eating contest comes on. It'll be on bright and early tomorrow on ESPN, 9 a.m. Joey Chestnut, my guy, he's uh, he's the defending champion. He wins all the time. The guy is like 39 years old, six foot, 229 pounds, right? I mean, he's all that. So myself and Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com, we do a podcast every morning called Locked on Bets, and our lock of the day today was – Joey Chestnut, the over-under, 73-and-a-half hot dogs eating, eaten in this contest. So you'll hear me pose the line to Lee, and he'll break it down. So you can, if you want to place a little wager on Joey Chestnut tomorrow, you could do so. Check it out. All right, Lee, here we go. Let's close out strong lock of the day, and we've got to tip the cap to the 4th of July. Since we're not going to have a show tomorrow, we definitely have to pay attention to this. And what is this? The hot dog eating contest. It's a tradition. I watch it every single year. It is not the 4th of July until you watch the hot dog eating contest. And when you do that, you think about who? Joey Chestnut. So how we're going to roll is we're going to talk about the over-under on how many hot dogs he's going to eat. Joey Chestnut, 39 years old, 229 pounds, 6 foot tall, and has won this thing a whole lot of times. So we're going to roll with this one. FanDuel.com line. Joey Chestnut over-under 73 and a half hot dogs in the hot dog eating contest on the 4th of July. Lee, break it down. All right. So over the last decade, it seems like he's gone over 70 hot dogs almost every single year. Except for last year, 863 hot dog buns in 10 minutes, and uh, he was interrupted. There was a protester. That was maybe the most exciting part of the hot dog eating contest last year. He put him in a chokehold, um, comes back uh, this year looking to continue his dominance. He can't bet $100 to win just $2.5. That would be the mortal lock of the century. Um, that's too easy here. You don't want to risk that much in case something happens. Might choke on a hot dog. But here is where I think, you know, he's 39 years old. I think he had a sweet spot a few years ago. Last year, only ate 63 hot dogs. And I think he's going to be in the mid to upper 60s here. 73 and a half? I think that number is just too high. I know he wants to prove something. But uh, it's going to be hot. I even checked the weather here. Everything. You've got to check everything if you're wagering. It's going to be 84 degrees here. Uh, had my, my two daughters go to it a couple of years ago, four or five years ago. And they said it is hot out there. I think it's going to affect them a little bit. So, I mean, there's so much time. They take like 45 minutes uh, before it starts introducing everyone. These guys, I mean, I think it's too much. If he's 65, I think it's a, still an amazing accomplishment. We're going to go under. 73 and a half hot dogs for Joey Chestnut here. That is going to be a level two lock. There it is. Level two lock right there. So under 73 and a half. And I can't even imagine that. Right? We started off the whole show talking about foods that you could binge eat. And could you imagine eating 73 hot dogs and buns in 10 minutes? 
Blah. I can't stand Ooh. hot dogs anywhere. They are kids' foods. I want nothing to do with hot dogs, but I sure in hell don't want anything to do with 73 hot dogs and buns in 10 minutes. Man, I would be a done deal. And I mean forever. There's no coming back from that. But there is coming back from a day off. We'll be back on Wednesday, Raider Nation. Have a fantastic 4th of July. We definitely appreciate you tuning in for however often you can, for as long as you can. We definitely appreciate it. Like I said, we'll be back on Wednesday at 2 o'clock right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Have a fantastic holiday. See ya.